when we realize there's a confidence in us. And it's not a, it's not a pride that, you know, ah, mm, ah, I've got the power of God in me. No, because you don't have it in you because of you. You have it in you because of who Jesus is in you. But that very power allows you to walk into situations and go, I have the same power of God. So I don't have to be afraid of things. I don't have to be afraid of, of a struggle. I don't have to be afraid of a friend going through something. I don't have to be worrisome of myself going through something. Because I've got a God that is on my side as we've walked through this week. Um, obviously with the uh, tragedy that hit Camden on last Sunday with the drowning of a young boy to watch our community come together and to have each other's back and have other pastors rally around the family and the, and the, and the, the first responders and, and the pre-first responders, the people at Native Dog that were down there. And, and, and listen, if, if I can say this, the family needs your prayers. The people at Native Dog need your prayers just as much. They were the first on scene. Um, and so we need to be lifting them up in prayer. Bobby and his crew who, who did a fantastic job, an amazing job. And so we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for our firefighters and police officers who were there and, and were a part of that. And that's, listen, you may go, I, I can't do anything. I can't, you know, a lot of people, what can I do? What can I do? I don't, you can pray. And it's not a, a, a just, a, a, well, all I can do. No, the most powerful thing you can do is pray. Every time we prayed with the family, it seemed to be a peace that would kind of fall in that moment. And so this week... As, as I've kind of gone through this and, and just this message has been more and more on my heart that, that when we go through these moments in life, it's, it, we cannot have these hand grenade moments where we go, oh my gosh, I need God more than ever. God help me. But when we make room for Jesus, when we walk through those moments, he, he's already there in the midst of us because we've made room for him. This week, I want to dive in through repentance and sanctification, which is just a big word for saying getting closer to Jesus what it means to make room for God. I've said this every week, and so I'll say it again. This has kind of been my motto for this message, which is his death defeated sin. What he did on the cross defeated our sin, but his resurrection defeated death. I don't have to be afraid. One of, one of the greatest things that I was able to speak into uh, the mom's life this, this week a couple of times was they went to church, her and her boys, she said, I know within my heart that he's with Jesus. And I said, and that's all that matters. I said, to be present, to be absent of our, of our bodies, to be present with the Lord. And he is, he is experiencing a joy that we only pray and hope we can. Now, listen, the, I'll be honest. The selfishness of humanity is we never want reality is. That tragedy and that hurt, that sucks. But the reality is when you know Jesus, from, from, from glory to glory, that moment that that last breath was taken here on earth, that first breath was taken in heaven, and he is, he is experiencing things that we would only long to know. Heaven, and I will get to see them one more day. That this life is but a vapor, and, 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 and ours will come and, and, and go, and, and, and I will get to experience that moment in my life. And the loved ones that know Jesus, I will get to meet in heaven again and reunite with them. He defeated death so that I wouldn't have to taste it. The whole purpose of Easter is a celebration. It's a celebration of the relationship with God. It's not the Easter bunny. He's kind of cool and all, but it's not that. It's not Easter eggs, although I do love little eggs that are filled with chocolate. I'm not going to lie, okay? 
I'm like a little kid. Police department was out there handing out plastic eggs down at First Friday. I was like, okay. What did I get? Little strawberry Laffy Taffies. They're my favorites. And so, you know, I, listen, Easter's fun, but it, the whole purpose is it's a celebration. It is, and, and, it, and it sounds weird to say it because we're talking about the death of our Savior, but we're really talking about the resurrection of life that he has given us to have relationship with God. How many have ever seen the, the picture where you've got a cliff on one side and a cliff on the other, and it says uh, uh, us, and it says God, and then it has the cross in the middle, and it says Jesus. Jesus is literally the gap filler for our relationship with God that we could not meet. And that is the celebration of Easter. The cross becomes both a place of death and celebration for the believer. We die to ourselves because Jesus died for our sins. And we celebrate a risen Savior who brings life to us. Let me ask you something. How many have ever done a yard sale or a garage sale, whatever you call it, or uh, you've ever cleaned out your house and just taken a whole bunch of stuff to the uh, 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 dump? There we go. That's the word I was looking for. It's even written down there if I just look down. And, uh, you know, you just, you're like, I'm just, I'm done. Why do we do that? Because we get so sick of clutter and mess and stuff in our life. And we're like, I am done. It's time to clean house. Some of you are thinking, I need to do that. Amen. I tell my wife all the time, if we haven't touched it in a year, why is it still in our house? We have an attic, and, and I just slowly, like, feed the attic stuff. <laughs> and I'm hoping that eventually, when the attic gets fed enough, I'll be able to slowly take it out of the attic, and she won't even know it was ever in our house. You know? I, listen, my squirrels, every now and then, they do more than play ping pong. Okay? And so, so, so like, because my, my garage, well, it is still a mess, but it was a mess of other stuff that wasn't mine. And so I, I just, one day, I just slowly started feeding the attic. Here you go, attic. Have, you know, it's like hungry, hungry hippos. Just feeding the attic. And she's like, oh, what are you putting up there? And I'm like, listen, don't worry, it's going to be fine. You're good. But I was sick of clutter. And we get sick of that. We get sick. Listen, how many ever, you know, I've seen a few of you on Facebook. You, you clean out your closet and you, you know, do like this whole like 80, you know, comment thing on Facebook, you know, buy my stuff. And, uh, and that's because we don't, listen, and, and what do we do? We make room so that we can get more stuff. You know, if we're cleaning out our closet, it's because we want more clothes. If we're cleaning out something, it's typically because at first we're like, oh, I like everything in its place. But eventually you're like, oh, I've got something. I've got to buy something for that. Not realizing you literally just gave something away that was sitting there or sold something for $2 at a yard sale that you probably paid 15 bucks for because you were sick of it being in your house. See, we, we, we do this in our life all the time where we, we clean out and we make room so that we don't feel like the walls are closing in and things are struggling and, and ah, I, just need, I just need to declutter and I need to make room. That's what we're doing. Listen, spiritually, it is so important to make room in our life. We need a spiritual clean out to make room for what matters most. We need to, we need to have a, 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 a time in our life and different, I, I really believe every year just going through these uh, moments where we just go, have I, have I allowed things to attach to me, to my spirit, to my heart that have no business being here? 
that attitude that I, that I worked so hard to get rid of and, and, and I've allowed it to come back in uh, because of a situation or a circumstance and I allowed it to cling back in and, and grab a hold of me or, or you know what, I was doing so well with my finances and I was so on point with what God was teaching me through my finances and, and yet then I, I went off the rail and, and I, I just spent however I wanted and now I'm back in a bind. Or maybe it's, you know, I was doing so good having healthy relationships and boundaries because that's important, to have healthy boundaries within relationships. And, and you know what? I just got, I got needy, and I, needed, I got insecure, and so I allowed my, my walls to, to come down and allow things and people that should not be a part of my life. For us, for every single one of us, we need spiritual cleanouts where we make room for what matters most. I, I love this thought that if everything matters, nothing matters. If everything's important, nothing's important. Because then how do you, how do you regulate that? If I said, hey, listen, you've got, uh, if everything matters, then there's no difference between going home and Netflix and chill and having dinner with the president, which some of you would probably have nothing to do with that. They're not getting political. But let's just be honest, like, it would be kind of cool. I don't care who the president is. It'd be kind of cool because they'd be paying the bill, okay? Um, so we'd be eating good. Um, and so, so, you know, there, what matters most? For some of you, it's Netflix, but if everything matters, how do you put into priority what is first? I've said this before. If I love Dr. Pepper and I love my wife, if I don't have the understanding of every, there is priorities and, and things matter more, then my wife believes that she's on the same level as Dr. Pepper. How many think that that would make my marriage really, really interesting? And that's putting it nicely. See, if everything matters, then nothing matters. We need to learn to make room for the things that really matter by saying no to the things that matter less. We have to say no to the things that hurt us. We have to say no to the things that are just taking up space in our life. We have to learn to say no so that we can say yes to the things that are going to bring purpose and joy and functionality spiritually to our lives. So I want to talk about a story in the Bible, story time. And, and it comes out of Mark 2. And, and, and many of you, if you've been in church long enough, you've, you've heard some variation, whether you've read it yourself or you've heard the you know, quick version of it. This is uh, 10 verses. It's a story about a paralyzed man in the Bible and Jesus. And you're going, that's not very descriptive. There's plenty of those stories. Yes, I know. But when I start it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that one. So it says this, Mark 2, verse 2, uh, going to verse 12, it says, Soon the house where he was staying, talking about Jesus, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. Literally, he had a full house all the way outside. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting in there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned out onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. There's so much packed into this story. Um, that, that I could probably do a couple of messages on um, just off the top of my head. But there's one in particular thing that, that, I, that sticks out every single time I've read this since Saturday. And it's this, is that do you realize that Jesus forgave his sins, but I don't know if he was necessarily going to heal him? I mean, does anybody pick up? Because listen, first of all, you know, he gets lowered down like he's Lady Gaga at a concert. You know? And, and he gets lowered down right in front of Jesus. And he doesn't say, because if you notice, Jesus has a way with this. A lot of times he would say, you know, uh, child, you're forgiven, go and sin no more, you are healed. Or he would say, pick up your mat and walk, go and sin no more. So it was always kind of he put the healing and the forgiveness all in one. And Jesus, in this moment, sees the man lowered down and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And pauses. And it says he, he knew what the religious people were thinking in their hearts. And it was like, oh, you don't think that healing, forgiving his sins is enough. Watch what else I can do. Like, so I don't know. I can, I'm not going to tell you God's intentions, nor am I going to say it's a theological stance that I'm willing to put my, my, my you know, Bible prowess on. But here's what, I, here's what I can say. It's interesting to me that Jesus was forgiving his sins, and then it was like a, kind of an afterthought. Oh, you don't think that I have the authority to forgive him. Which one's easier, to forgive him or to heal him? And if I can do one, I bet you you'll understand that I can do the other. And so he heals him. And people are amazed. And I love that last line. We've never seen anything like this before. And I want to be a part of church services. Now, now, go with me here because I don't want you to go, ooh, here's the Pentecostal side of him coming out. He wants backflips. I'll settle for amens. Um, <laughs> but so, so, you know, I want to be a part of a service where it's not where we just walk in, do three songs, pastor preaches, we pray a little bit, we go home. I really believe that ultimately, and I've said this many times, that it's very less about what happens inside of this room and more of what is going on in your heart that we do outside. I wholeheartedly believe that. But I believe that there's something about coming together where God's presence shows up in the middle of his people when we, full abandonment, which is scary, okay, when we full abandonment of what God is doing in our lives, where, where God is able to move in special ways amongst his people. I, I have no qualms about saying, I want to see healings inside church. No qualms. It doesn't freak me out. I'm not saying we need to speak in tongues and pray for two hours over a person. That's what, not what I'm saying. Matter of fact, most of the time when Jesus prayed for people, it was real quick and to the point. And if God wants to heal him, he's going to heal him. It's his prerogative. My prayers have no authority other than the fact that they are founded in Jesus. And my prayer is always, God, it's your will, not mine. So I don't have, it's not me trying to conjure up something. It's me saying, God, I want to see you move like you did. In the, I, want, I want to walk into a room and I want to experience you in such a way where people go, we've never seen anything like that before. That's what I want. I want. Man, God, I just want you to move. I want, I want us to make room to where we're not just going through the motions and, and just doing church, even if it's good. Like, I believe that church can be great. God's presence can be there. But there's always that next level. There is. Now, listen, if we would have day one, out the gate, if I would have been like, welcome to freedom, we want to see miracles, most of you would have ran for the hills. I'm just being real. 
right? Because you're whoa, we already had questions about you. Now you're saying you want us to just like jump into this? No, I want to take us on a journey. Now we're three years in. I believe that God's ready to start to, to, to unleash some of the, and listen, I'm not saying like what I will never be is, is that church that goes, come to us, we're the place where the miracles happen. It shouldn't be that way. Every church that has doors open should have a place where they are able to say, we believe in miracles, we believe in the mighty hand of God. And whether it's a big miracle like an arm literally growing out or a marriage being healed, both are miracles. Whether we teach people how to handle their finances properly, that's a miracle. God stirring in his people, addictions coming, whether it's through miraculous moments at the altar or through a 12-step program. It doesn't matter if they're trusting God. It's a miracle. So we got to stop putting miracles as this like, you know, weird thing that uh, the angel's going to come down and thus saith the Lord, you're healed. Like, no, it could be. It could be. But it could also be through building together and growing together. So there's this great story, right? But there's some really practical things that I want you to, to, that I really want to teach out of this story this morning. How often do we stop pressing into God's presence and life-changing miracles just because it's hard, uncomfortable, and we feel distant from him? How many times are we right on the edge of a miracle in our life and we stop because it's hard? God, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I've prayed every last prayer I can. And he goes, no, there's more in you. You just, you just have to push in. God, I'm sick and tired of feeling this way. Okay, well, you can feel this way with me or without me. Which one would you like? God, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And, and you don't realize how strong you are. And, and here's the thing. This man was dependent upon others to feel that for him. Oh, there's a whole message in there about empathy. <laughs> Something that we're losing more and more as a civilization. To feel the pain of somebody else and go, I, I'll walk you with you in this. Now, there's a time to suck it up, buttercup, and there's a time to be the, the, the shoulder for somebody to lean on. And both of them have their place. But could you imagine if this man who was going, my miracle's going to happen today. Oh, my miracle's going to happen today. I'm going to see Jesus. He's going to heal me. I'm going to walk for the first time. And they get to that house, and it's packed out the door, and they go, sorry, bud. We did everything we could. How amazing are these friends? Just, can you picture with me? Four guys and a paralyzed dude. Now, listen, if I really wanted my friend to get healing, I'd just pick somebody up and toss them. We're getting to Jesus. <laughs> these guys were like, hey, do you think we can get him on the roof? You know what the paralyzed guy was probably thinking? No, you can't get me on. No, no, no. Find a window, break a wall. We're not going up. Ah, we got you. Like, you're hoping, like, this guy's, like, this big, right? Because we'll go up the wall. And then it actually says in some translations, because of the, uh, the texture and what they used to build, they, they dug through the roof. They're literally breaking the integrity of the roof down with them on it. I mean, do y'all see the sketchiness in this of all that they were willing to go through to get their, their boy down to Jesus? And I'm telling you, when we, when, when, when we have that kind of persistence, it may not be easy, but it is always rewarding. And it may not look like you want it to look, but it's always rewarding. 
They made room. They literally made room. They literally tore through the roof to get to Jesus. Half the time, we won't get to church if it's too cold or too hot. Curl your toes. So what do we learn in this story? We, we learn a few things, and these are real simple points. There's not a whole lot. I'm not gonna dive deep into them um, because I think they speak for themselves. The first one is do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. What, who do you wanna be? Do whatever it takes to become that person. Oh, pastor. I, you know, listen, if I can get on my soapbox for just a minute. It's, it hasn't happened too much with me, but I, I have ha- had a couple of people say this in my life as a pastor. Well, we're just not getting fed enough. Bull. I mean, I, there's no spiritually way to say that. <laughs> Bull. I don't care if you like the pastor or not. If he loves Jesus, he, he's preaching, his, preaching God's word. It may not be how you like it, but he's preaching truth. It means you're, 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 you're not spiritually tuned in. Do whatever it takes. Don't stop. Don't let others tell you it's impossible. Get to the door. I really wanted, I wanted to experience God, but it's so packed. Yeah, you're going to have to wait till tomorrow, buddy. No. I'm not going to let you tell me how close I can get to Jesus. I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna let you get in my way. I'm not gonna let my enemy get in my way. I'm not gonna let the, my coworker get in my way. I'm not gonna let my wife get in my way. I'm not letting anybody get in my way of my relationship with Jesus. If I have to climb a roof and dig a hole, then that's what I'm gonna do to get to my Savior. That's what we learn. Do whatever it takes. And there's seasons where maybe that means where you have to shut the TV off and spend more time in your word. Maybe that means you need to shut the, the, the secular music off and, and listen to worship and, and, and focus in on prayer. Where you declutter the noises and the mess that's going on and you say quiet to them and you say, Jesus, I'm doing whatever it takes to get in your presence so that I can see miracles happen and I can see the impossible take place. Do whatever it takes. The second thing is you got to get a godly crew. And I'll preach this, preach this, preach this, preach this, preach this, because I believe in family within the community of Christ. You are not just people that I want to see on Sunday. That should make you feel good. Pat yourself on the back, okay? I want to hang out with you. I want to be a part of your life. We do life together. It's not good enough to just see you for two hours a day and think that I'm going to be able to speak into your life for for 40 minutes and, and, oh, man, I love my pastor. You don't know me. And I don't know you, so how can we invest in one another if we don't know each other, if we're not willing to go through the tough times, if we're not willing to call each other and say, hey, I need somebody. I just need to chat. And, 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 and let me say while I'm on that, it can't just be me. Y'all should be looking at each other. I love that, that there's a lot of things that go on within our community of, of believers here at Freedom where I don't, I'm not even involved. Like, I'll be asked, hey, do you know about this? Nope, not a clue. And if I'm not involved, I'm okay with that. And it's not that I don't love you. It's just that because I'm realizing that, you know what? They are realizing they don't need me. Because we have each other. Because we're, we're built as a family unit. And, and listen, these four guys, it, it, was, it was amazing enough. Could you imagine if, if, if we called you and said, hey, listen, we really need you to work all day for the church. And some of you, a lot of you would go, hey, I'm down. Let's go. And then we get there and we go, uh, uh, it's going to be a lot more than I thought. Um, who wants to go down and buy this? See, that's the extra step. 
That's the getting on the roof. That's the, now listen, some of y'all are going, are you using your message to like try to like a building program that we don't know about? No, 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 I'm just saying like there's that, it's, it's that, oh, I'm committed to help you. Now what happens if that, that changes or is your commitment like these four guys where, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to walk with you. I'm willing to, hey, if you need me every now and then, oh man, he's calling me like every Tuesday afternoon. It's like I'm his counselor. So? Maybe you're the only voice that he's been able to strike a chord with that has been able to speak to his soul that is encouraging him, that is saying, don't give up, I'm with you. Is not a 10, 15, 20, 30, 45-minute conversation once a week with your brother or sister worth the value of them becoming the person that God has wanted them? And here's the great part, you get to play a part in that? You get to play a part in somebody's eternity literally shifting and changing. Maybe, maybe it's your voice that keeps them from the addiction. Maybe it's your prayers that keep them from going over the edge. Maybe it's just your time building and then they go, somebody believes in me. Get yourself a godly crew. A group of people that will stand behind you, pray with you, encourage you. And here's the other thing. Tell you things that maybe you don't want to hear. Because if they can't speak truth into your life, then all you're asking for is yes, men, and, and they will never benefit you. Should you do this? Yeah, why not? Should I go there? Heck yeah. Should I drink this? Oh, man, just one? We don't need yes people. We need people that will look into our lives and go, you know what? Maybe nobody else sees it, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet you're doing this for the wrong reason. And do it in, and say it in love. Not in judgment, not in, not in I'm better than you, but just, hey, I'll walk with you. I'll pray with you. You call me. When you're feeling this way, call me. When you're about to make this decision, call me. When you're, when you're about to go off the deep end and, and cuss somebody out, call me first. Because I'll tell you this. I would rather you tell me what you want to tell them and get it out of your system, not that I'm saying that it's right or better, but so that you don't make a decision that is maybe wreck a relationship or a job or whatever. Because you need to get it out. And maybe that process will teach you that, you know what, I can go to God and I can do the same thing. Tell him how I feel. Pretty soon you go, you know, I don't even have to say it in these nasty terms. I just, I just need to trust him. They didn't give up and turn away on their friend. They pressed in and pushed on for him. They want, listen, <laughs> oh, Listen, this line right here, when I wrote it down, I was like, ooh, this is so good. They wanted his miracle just as badly as he wanted it. They want, their life did not change. Matter of fact, they didn't even get to have that moment with Jesus. They stayed on the roof. Never said they came down. They wanted it so much. They wanted it as badly for their friend as their friend needed it. They were whole and healthy. They could walk. Their friend couldn't. They wanted it so badly that they were willing to lift him up on the roof and dig through. Somebody else, could you imagine if it was your house? You look up, you're like, I didn't ask for a moonlight, sunlight, whatever, sunroom, whatever. I didn't ask for that hole. And these boys were going, ah, but my friend needs a moment with Jesus and I'm going to do whatever it takes. They wanted it so badly for them that it was as if they needed it. You need to get some friends that want you to be the best version of you for Jesus as much as they want it for themselves. The, the, the third thing is this, is that you gotta listen to the voice of Jesus, not others. Everyone around them was saying that Jesus didn't have the right to forgive him. 
right? It says that the religious scholars spoke up and said, who is this man that can forgive his sins? Jesus is like, oh, you think that's all I can do? Shoot. Watch this. So many times we listen to what the world can say, what the world wants to say to us. You can't be that. Mason, you're just a teenage boy. You're going to screw up and do stupid teenage boy stuff. <laughs> but do you, do you hear how often we probably tell teenagers that? We excuse them. Ah, oh, boys will be boys. What, 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 if, what if instead of that we said, you know what? Yeah, you know what? You're going to make mistakes in your life, but you know what? You're not going to make the ones that you shouldn't because you're going to be focused on Jesus and you've got a family behind you that's going to help you. And you need to listen to Jesus' voice more than the world's. How many times we listen to music that, that has words and, and, and speak lies and death into our ears or we, we start to follow people on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook that, you know, oh, I want this life. Oh, I want that life. Oh, I want this, 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 and this. And we realize that the Bible is very clear about stuff and Jesus, the voice of others and Jesus, the voice of the enemy and Jesus. And the voice of the enemy will get you to turn every which way other than Jesus. And Jesus is like, oh, you think that forgiveness of sin is the only thing I do? There's so much more. That, listen, the forgiveness of your sin is the starting point for Jesus to be able to speak and do amazing things in your life. But you can't come to him and ask for stuff and things and do before there's a relationship. I mean, that would be like me going up to somebody else's parents and saying, can I have an inheritance? Now listen, there's been a time or two where I've wanted to be adopted by people. I love my mom and dad. I'm not like asking to like not have them as my mom and dad. But like I literally asked my friends, will you adopt me? I was a grown man. We asked that just recently. <laughs> Y'all think I'm playing. <laughs> like, I got some good friends that, you know, they, they have some decent, listen, and they are really good people. And, I, and we joke with them and, and they, they are well off for themselves. I'm like, listen, are you looking for like an eighth child? I'll, listen, I'll come visit on the holidays. I'll be there. I'm, I'm not even greedy. I don't want a whole lot. Just, you know, <laughs> lose something, something. I'll even change my name. I'll hyphenate my name, okay? Like, listen, how random would it be to just walk up to, like, any, any well-known uh, uh, family in Camden and be like, hey, uh, you have a pretty good life. Want to adopt me? It would be really awkward. It would be really awkward. Why? Because you don't have the relationship built with them. But here's the crazy part is I've watched families literally adopt people because they had this relationship with them. Maybe it was a, a kid's uh, uh, friend or something like that. And, and man, they're just there. They're always there, always there. And pretty soon it's like, man, you know what? They built this relationship where they've paid for things. They've gone on trips. They've uh, they paid for their colleges, you know, because why? Because they invite them into their family. Because they stopped listening to all this other stuff and they got invited in. We want to go to Jesus and, and we want to ask for things when it's convenient for him. When, oh, oh, God, I'm going through a tough time. You know, how many people, oh, just say a prayer for me. Do you love Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? I'm not saying he can't, but why don't you pray? Why aren't you pushing in? Because you don't have that relationship and you're asking me who does. I'm saying, man, build that relationship first so that you can hear the voice of God and let him do what only he can do. So that all the other voices and all the other stuff gets, gets, gets blocked out. So many times we listen to what everyone else has to say except Jesus. The Bible says, from where does our help come from? 
Is it found in social media? Heck no. Is it found in, in politics and wars and what country you're from? Absolutely not. Is it found in the culture that we live in? Absolutely not. All those things can be positive things in our life, but they can also be really negative. The one thing that is never negative and always positive is the Bible says our help comes from the Lord. Listen, he who designed you gets to define you. I want you to catch that. He who designs you gets to define you. You got to stop allowing the rest of this world to, to tell you what you are or what you are not. Only one person knew you before you were born. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb. Doesn't, shouldn't he get first say in your life? Shouldn't, shouldn't we want to make room for his voice, the one that, that literally formed you in your mother's, knew you before you were born, thought of you on the cross? And that's the person that I want to lean into. The, the fourth thought from this scripture is this. You got to walk it out. You got to be prayed up, presence filled, and praise out. Let the world see what God is doing inside of here. Walk out faith in front of everybody else. Walk out your miracles. Walk out your God moments. Let God show off through you outside this, these doors so that people can say, what, what's, what's different about you? Well, ooh, there's a, there's a different attitude about you. There's a, there's a smile on your face that I haven't seen in a while. Let me tell you what it is. For me, with my friends as a teenager, it was, it was this. It was like they, they, they didn't realize that I'd stop cussing. Oh, no, you, you, you cuss. And I'm like, when's the last time you heard me cuss? Well, this, exactly. And you know what? That was an open door for, well, why have you? Let me tell you why. Because I found something in my life that is far more greater than the words that I'm using that are, are vulgar and mean and hurtful. I want to end this morning, uh, just a couple of scriptures that, I call them my takeaways for this message because I feel like I've given you these four things, but I want to help you practically maybe throughout this week. And Sharice, you can go ahead and come on up because we're going to cruise through these because I think they speak to itself. My three takeaways. The first one is this. You've got to nail it to the cross. Whatever you're walking through, Whatever is holding you back, whatever your struggle is, you got to nail it to the cross. You cannot allow it to sit there and take up residency in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Nail it to the cross. Maybe it's an attitude uh, or, or, or an emotion. Nail it to the cross. You may be going, what does that even mean? Let me take you to Galatians. Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Nail them to the cross. Those things that aren't attached to Jesus, nail them to the cross so that you can put them at the feet of the Father and say, I no longer want to be bound by that. 
I never want to, I don't want to hold on to the struggles of these emotions that I'm walking through. I don't want to hold on to this anger that I've been holding on to. I don't want to hold on to this hurt. I don't want to hold on to these things, these frustrations, maybe these anxieties or worries. I don't want to hold on to these anymore. And so I'm going to nail them to the cross because that's what the word of God says. I'm going to nail my passions and desires of my sinful life to the cross of Christ because they were crucified there. In other words, we are learning to make room for God by putting to death the things in our life that don't fulfill us. The things that keep us from this amazing, loving, and purposeful God, we got to nail it to the cross. The second takeaway that I want you to walk out is this, is that you realize that there is no condemnation in Christ. As Christians, we have to stop walking around waiting for the other shoe to drop. Pastor Scott, you don't understand. God can't love me if, if you knew what I've done in my life. He don't care. Can I tell you this? He knew it. You can go ahead and play. It's okay. No condemnation. Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now there's no. Say what you say. No. There's not some. Well, there's no condemnation but this one. Well, well, there's forgiveness except for. Because here's, here's what we do. We think everybody else is deserving of the cross of Christ but us. Pastor Scott, if, if you only knew. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter. If a hundred out of a hundred people think that you are horrible, but Jesus says you're forgiven, guess what? It does not matter. Jesus is the one voice that matters. And he says, there's no condemnation in Christ. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And, and, I love that there's an and. There's, there's, hey, listen, there's no condemnation. And because you belong to him. So there's, he's forgiven everything. There's no condemnation. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Listen, this is what I love about God. He is a redeeming, loving, gracious, and giving God. He's not only going to forgive you of your sins, but he's going to go, but I also got a parting gift. Everybody that comes gets it. You get my presence, you get my power, you get my purpose. So not only do you get a freedom that's what I mean about, you know, like I think sometimes people will probably think when I say come experience freedom, it has nothing to do with how, how much I brag about our church. It's just a play on words. Yes, I want them to come experience what I believe is an amazing church, but it's amazing because I believe God's presence is here. And I look out and I see story after story of what God is doing in our lives. But are we there yet? Absolutely not. And listen, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to, listen, don't let the voices get to you. Don't let the lies get to you. Don't let depression get to you. Don't let those things that you used to be get to you. Don't let the old addictions try to come back. Because God says that you are not bound by that. You are not condemned by that. The world may try to. Your friends may try to. The enemy, when we get to heaven, he's going to try to. He's going, no, no, this one, he was a sinner. <laughs> Jesus is going to be like, and? They all are. But they were forgiven. Therefore, there was no condemnation found in their lives. And I gave them a parting gift, which was my presence and my power to go and change the world. 
And so he says, there's no condemnation. So we've got to nail our stuff to the cross, and then we've got to realize that we don't get to carry the weight. We, listen, you do not have the right to carry your weight anymore. That should free somebody. Well, you don't, you don't understand. I've got to carry my weight. This is my problem. The heck it is. You don't trust Jesus enough to carry your weight? Bible says, take my yoke, for my yoke is easy. You are saying that Jesus wasn't good enough for you. There is no condemnation in the sins that you have done when you trust in the Father and when you lean into Jesus. And the last thing is daily discipleship. Psalms 51.10, I love the way that this is said in the Passion Translation. It says, keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with your pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Keep creating. Keep creating. That should be our prayer. God, keep creating in me a pure heart. Keep creating in me something that's going to that dredge up all of that stuff that I say I'm not good enough to do. Your purpose and your power and your dreams in me. Keep doing it. Don't let me settle. Don't let me listen to the lies of the enemy and the world around me that say I'm not good enough or I can't or I can't or you're not. or you're. No, the God, the God of all universe says I created you. I know what you were made for. You have a purpose and a plan. You're a life changer. I didn't create mistakes or accidents. I didn't create somebody just to wake up, go to work, die. I created each and every one of you with a purpose. But it's like Easter. Easter eggs, you gotta, you gotta hunt a little bit. You gotta seek God's presence and say, God, what would you have for me? And listen, season to season, it's gonna change. Maybe during one season, it's this, and during the next season, it's that, but it's always going, God, what is your purpose, your plan? I wanna please you. Create in me that pure heart. Create in me that ability to lean into you. Nail your past to the cross. Carry the weight that there is no condemnation, but that I carry the joy of the Lord. And then live it out. Daily, living it out. Keep creating in me your will and your purpose. Will you pray with me? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, this just hits and I just need, I just need a little bit of prayer. If that's you, I just, I just would love to know. If that's you and you're just saying, man, this message hit me and I need it to really just get down in my soul and this is who I want to be. If that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Amen, amen, amen. God, I pray for our people, especially those that have responded with that. God, I just, I needed this. I needed, I need you to do something. God, I believe that there's people in here that are still battling with the fact that they're not condemned. Therefore, there is no, none, absolutely gone, no condemnation in Christ Jesus when we belong to him. But that we would pick up the power of the cross and we would live it out for others. God, help us to carry that. God, that we would come to the cross and we would realize that there is found not only your death, but also your resurrection. So that we nail our passions and our sins to the cross and we pick up the power of Christ in us, that resurrection life in us, that we may go and live it out and be who you've called us to be, that every day we get an opportunity to find joy in you in our lives. 
Yes, through daily discipleship, things like reading our word and, 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 and finding you in worship and finding you in good friendship that loves you. God, that we want to see you move and, and do not just in us, but through us. God, help us to be like the friends that carried their partner up the wall and, and dug a hole to, to get in the moment and get in the presence. God, I pray for miracles like that to happen here in Camden. I pray that your spirit would fall on this place, God, that you would just envelop us, God. You would surround us with your presence and that, God, that mighty things would start to happen. Addictions and, 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 and relationships restored and, and, God, that jobs would, would, would be found and, 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 God, that we would start to see people work in, in, a, in a way that glorifies you and not a, a boss or, or people, but, that God, that we would start to live in a way that in our community we glorify you. Jesus, have your way. God, help us to declutter our spiritual life so that we can make room for you precious and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. I pray blessings over our people. I pray that they are a blessing to you, Father. God, I pray for the tithe and offering that we take in, that it would glorify the kingdom, and it would make worlds of difference eternally in people's lives. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you in your name we pray. Amen. 